inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. You cannot, you cannot be silent. You must make some noise. You must get out there and push and pull for what is right, for what is fair, for what is good. When I was a young man, very young, growing up in rural Alabama, I tasted a bit of fruits of segregation and racial di discrimination. And I didn't like it. I would ask my mother, I would ask my father, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, why segregation, why racial discrimination, and they would say, that's the way it is. Don't get in trouble. Don't get in the way. But one day I heard the words of Martin Luther King Jr. on all radio, and I was inspired to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Outlook. This is a very special episode, so let's get right to it. We will be talking about the recent National Federation of the Blind virtual convention, which took place pretty much two weeks ago now. It went from July the 14th to the 18th, so five days long and quite exhausting, actually. <laughs> right, Kara? Yeah, in, we in were all way. just doing it from our living rooms, but... Um... Yeah. Who knew virtual could be could be tiring, but well, that was the fear that it being virtual this year. Um, they only had a couple months to go from in person to virtual, and you just worry that nobody will feel connected, and you know it's not the same. And yeah, it's but. pretty amazing how that worked. But um, so yeah, this was the 80th year of the National Federation of the Blind convention in the states, and it was supposed to play, take place in Houston, Texas. But uh, yeah, like we said, we ended up virtually, and we will get into that a little bit in a minute. But um, maybe you just want to speak a little bit about who we just heard at the top of the show. Yeah, uh, so that was um, a speech in 2007. Um, so that was, some of you may have heard, but it was um, the Saturday of their convention. Um, we heard the news came, broke that... Um, Congressman John Lewis passed away at the age of 80, and he was obviously he was big in the civil rights. He marched uh, the March of, on Washington and uh, the Selma March, and, you know, he was there with Martin Luther King Jr. So um, he fought for civil rights all his life, and so in 2007, he attended uh, this March for Independence that they tacked on to the National Federation of the Blind Convention that year in uh, Georgia, and he spoke, and we just found his words. So they, so they played these clips um, once they realized he died uh, and he had this tie to the Federation. They, they played the clips, and they talked about him at the rest of our convention, the convention there. So wanted yeah, to include that. Waking up the last day of convention and finding out this news was a pretty big, a pretty big deal. And he, he was cited, but he was involved. You know, he spoke at this, this convention, and he was a supporter of the, the NFB and just a super important... Um, figure in history. So we will hear more from his speech uh, at the end of the show because, it, like you said, it was very powerful. Um, well, like we want, like we've been talking a lot lately about intersectionality, 
and in this convention it was a big it was a big thing and um attended a lot of panels on the subject but you know he was he was there because he was teaching people how to f- speak for themselves and how to fight for themselves and you know there are black blind people of course and so it's intersectionality right like it's all it's it's all crossing over so yeah powerful voice voice for that but um we got a lot to talk about in the interim um yeah, yeah so it was quite a week of panels yeah i'll admit at first when i heard that it was virtual i was sort of iffy i didn't really know what to expect and i I was excited, but I wasn't didn't think it would be quite that great. And obviously, not the same as being in person, but um, not surprisingly, the National Federation of the Blind beat my expectations, and it, it really was pretty incredible for for what it was. And uh, well, I was saying the whole week seemed for me to go off without a hitch, right? Like I I went to the app every day. I had a schedule. I picked my day's events. I tried to time my events and go. And you just click onto the Zoom call and join in. Uh, yeah, it's and really I didn't neat. notice any issues, but you know, all the people that must have been working behind the scenes all the months leading up to it, obviously, and uh, once they made the decision to go virtual, and then this whole the whole week when everything seems smooth on the outside, it might not have been necessarily the case always, but it seemed great. Yeah, and for efficient. anyone who, for anyone who isn't aware of the National Federation of the Blind and in turn the Canadian Federation of the Blind that all of these events are organized by blind people. So this isn't, you know, some of these organizations where it's being put on by sighted people and they're we're just there. We For actually us. organized all of this and well, not us specifically. Um, but well, in Canada, we do obviously. Um, but yeah, it's just it is crazy how much goes into it. And like you mentioned, the app that they they uh, used this app. Uh, uh, it's called Crowd Compass Attendee Hub. It was really neat because yeah, you could click into the Zoom calls right from this app. It had a whole, a whole agenda in there. It had a list of all the attendees and a, a built-in messaging system, so you could make contact with people mm-hmm. there. Uh, made a couple contacts. We actually gained at least a couple um, new CFB members there. So there's so many so many possibilities with uh, with virtual events, and I never even had really used Zoom before. So now I now I have an idea of how that works, and it is a great setup for for virtual meetings. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's they said it there was what seven thousand. Yeah, originally there were around two hundred fifty-two or something people registered, but then at the end they they looked at tallies throughout the some of the Zoom meetings and everything, and it it turns out there were eight thousand two hundred sixty-one people attending this convention at its height. So. Compared to in person when it's been around 3,000 the last few years, that's a great increase. And I think this is such a positive thing that this can be accessed anywhere in the world and that this could bring the, the whole Federation philosophy to people's consciousness and make them realize that this is out there. And, and for anyone who isn't aware, which is probably a lot of our listeners, that, th- that this philosophy really is about raising expectations for blind people organizing the blind together and us all working together to make change. Yeah. So you want to talk about some of the things you did attend? Yeah. So I think, I think we both attended one, which was the fundraising one. Yeah. That was on the first day, the fundraising during a pandemic seminar. Mm -hmm. And that was interesting just because as members of the Canadian Federation of the Blind, we're just learning about all of this stuff and trying to learn about fundraising. And it's, it's, it's definitely a, has a learning curve to it. So it's been a good experience and it was nice that they had a panel specific about that. Uh, there was also a job seeker seminar the first night that 
I thought was really great. It was four hours long, and unfortunately I missed some of it, but the parts that I did catch um, were some very powerful speakers. It's so inspiring hearing other blind people talk about their successes. And uh... Yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it. It just shows you what you can accomplish. And, and all the times you were th thinking, well, you know, blind people can't do that. It's that debate, you know, whether you, you teach children about um, you can be anything you want to be, <laughs> but then sort of life creeps into that, that rosy outlook and, and you wonder if you can. But uh, so that the job stuff is a big one. Um, another thing for me was a lot of the, obviously, as, as I said, topics this year are around diversity. So they highlighted their new diversity inclusion panel that, um, that the NFB has created. And within that, uh, obviously, there's a lot of different areas, you know. They had sessions for everybody, if you have a different, you know, for your religious faith, uh, for veterans. Blind seniors. Uh, blind seniors. Diabetes. diabetes. Yeah, just different disabilities that can sort of cross, can kind of intersect there. Um, the first night I attended the Black Leaders Advancing the Federation uh, discussion, which was really interesting. And, you know, they had a, they had a few people speaking about, a few black men speaking about the times when they were discriminated against um, by a policeman and uh, different things. Um, so that was really moving. And um, this, uh, I went to this bilingual um, celebration of blind, <clears throat> blind Latinas. Uh, so this, they had a few speakers with that one. So they had this female talking about how, um, you know, when she first found the Federation, she didn't think there were other Latinas in it. So she didn't think that there would be people that would understand what she was going through. Sort of how she didn't, you know, there are very few Latina women in higher education and, and higher roles of leadership. Uh, and she's trying to change that. So that was really interesting just to listen in on. Yeah, another, um, and then so, the other so, one. Oh, you go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to just mention that I, I think you were at this one as well. Um, the yeah, Committee for Advancement it. and Promotion of Braille. That's a that's a big one, as anyone who may have listened before. Uh, Carrie and I are both avid Braille readers and are very take Braille seriously. And there is still a lot of discussion about phasing out Braille now with technology and phones being able to talk and everything. But really, oh. to, to continue literacy, we need Braille. And this is I, it, it, it makes me sick when I think about teachers not enforcing braille when when blind children are in school and it's just oh, i really yeah, hope that especially doesn't... especially with yeah young children in education it, it gets more complicated when we're talking about adults going blind because a lot of them struggle to learn braille later in life which i, I understand and so we have to be sort of understanding about those people who feel sort of left out of the braille piece of it that just because you're blind doesn't mean you have to learn braille you we you and i obviously would recommend it um, and especially for children who are learning literacy of course we also got a few testimonials from other blind canadians who attended this convention and we're going to hear some of those throughout the show so let's start with uh, one of those right now hi my name is blaine and i'm one of the people who attended the national federation of the blind for the very first time this year and i had a lot of fun it was just so much fun there was so much um, great people and I've heard so much about it with people who've gone uh, listening into general sessions and banquet speeches from previous years 
and I just, I wanted to go. And I loved the, uh, I can do attitude, the positive philosophy that they bring forward and how they build everybody up. There were a few things that stood out for me. A couple events that I got to go to were the National Association of Guide Dog Users, NAGDU. I have heard so much about it as a guide dog user. I've seen what they have done and what they do for guide dog users on a national level. And I actually became a member of one of the divisions, which gets me membership to the NFB. The other one that I really looked forward to and had a great time at was the Blind Parents Group. Uh, as a blind parent myself, I've been on the Facebook groups and chatted with people through different avenues, but it was awesome to be able to put a voice this year anyways, uh, couldn't shake hands or anything like that, but put a voice to the text of the suggestions that I was getting. I also got to sit down and meet with President Mark Riccobono. I wanted to pick his brain on what it meant when they say, live the life you want. Um, a lot of people feel that it's being very prideful when you go out there and you uh, have your orientation and mobility skills and you take a plane by yourself. But if you want to do that, why should someone stop you? Why should you be put in a box? We want people to live the life they want. We want to push you to do better. Um, but we, uh, we want equal rights for everybody. So that was my thoughts, um, and overview of the convention for this year and I am looking forward to next year when we get to go hopefully in person but there were a lot just the app that they had to be able to connect with people and attendees and exhibits it, it, even though we weren't in person NFB did a great job of putting everybody together and it was awesome and I, I can't wait to build it here and have more people come. I, I'm looking forward to it. So thanks to Blaine there for that testimonial regarding his time at the convention. And as you can see, it really left a big effect on him as well. I just wanted to say Canada had a good representation, as we said, and uh, uh, a few Canadians at least two I know of won prize, uh, door prizes, but you said more than more than two. I heard think. a few more called, yeah. <laughs> and um, referring back to that Braille uh, session, you mentioned uh, one of the speakers there was a Canadian, Jen Golden, who um, is part of Braille Literacy Canada. So that was great to have that have her there. And also, um, yeah, Friday morning we had a gathering of all blind Canadian attendees. Um, some of us. We, so it was started, it was run by us at the Canadian Federation of the Blind, but we, all week they were talking to people to get other Canadians to hear about it, to join us. And uh, even Americans were welcome, obviously. 
Right. That well, that's nice. what I was doing with the app with the list of attendees. I was searching through to try to find Canadians because we really are trying to bring more awareness to the Canadian Federation of the Blind, which is a sister organization of the National Federation of the Blind. So we have the same raising expectations philosophy and, and um, it's just it's 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 all based on the same the same beliefs and it's just it's so empowering and we're really trying to make some change here in Canada and it's a it's a very slow process as we see they they've been doing that for 80 years in in the yeah. US so um, these conventions while they're super inspiring they also make make me realize how much work still needs to be done in Canada and it was nice that Blaine touched on that at the end of his testimonial about uh, bringing this bringing this uh, stuff more into Canada in the future um, yeah, and as we as we heard there at the beginning of the show with John Lewis, he was just talking about you know making noise and and trouble, but make it you know good trouble. We're not talking about you know violent destruction, but we're talking about sometimes you have to push and as he says pull um, to get things done. And so I found myself getting quite emotional listening to his speeches and a few other things um, that we'll come to later. Yeah, I was just I was breaking down a little because it's just. It feels like more needs to be done um, for us all to f believe that philosophy. I mean, we hear it all the time, and you and I were raised very well, but it's still a lot of ingrained shame or or belief that we're not ever gonna. Yeah, people make it feel like I they guess. don't want to get in the way. They just want to sit and blend in and not do this or that. But <laughs> and that's kind of how we we felt for a long time growing up, just kind of going with the flow and not not stepping we're up. Always into in advocacy the way and. And, get out of the way. And, We're not going to get out uh, of the way. Generally, for me, I, I do like to kind of blend in and stuff. So I'm not the most uh, extroverted, outgoing person a lot of the time. But to really make change as the blind, and that's why organizing all together is is a big part of it. Because one of us on our own, it's 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 too much work to be done. But the more of us that work yep. together and and get together, the more it can get done. So yeah, as I've said with my you know my sort of battles with my library here. Is stuff. It's just when you're one lone person, it's harder to be heard. Um, but another of the sessions I attended, um, it was sort of going back to the diversity thing, which was a big theme this year. So it was about um, to be an ally for racial justice within the Federation and beyond. And then it was just sort of saying, like, do you feel um, proclaiming colorblindness isn't enough, right? So the panel was, we're blind, but not colorblind. Yeah, and that was an interesting point, because that, that was what we talked about a few weeks ago in our intersectionality episode, where it was sort of brought up about, oh, we're blind, so we can't, we can't, see, we can't see the color of someone's skin, so we, we couldn't be racist. But that's far from the truth, and that's what um, Mark Riccobono, the, the president of the NFB, pointed that out, how that could be an assumption made by sighted people like oh if you're blind you can't see so you wouldn't it wouldn't and be blind possible people. But... and blind people have that feeling we we can tell ourselves yeah, oh, we yeah it's can't just it and, as racist as and that's the else. thing it made <laughs> me question myself because i've i've said that I, i've said that before to where it's like yeah i i don't even i can't see so i don't notice that but that is even on my point a kind of an ignorant view because it i'm thinking from my experience but it doesn't it still doesn't mean that the you know, that racial tensions aren't still out there, whether people are blind or not. Yeah, so, like, they use sociology um, to help participants understand how racism operates beyond the level of individual 
individual prejudices, right? So even if you, if we can tell ourselves, well, we're not as race as we're not racist, we're not like any other those other people. It's still, it's a whole like systematic thing as we always talk about, and we're all a part of that. So we all need to look deeper into it. So some people are just like, well, this doesn't concern me, but but yes, it does. One of the other seminars. I think I went to and I told you that this was happening. So you came as well um, was the science and engineering division. And yeah, if I, I heard that, I was like, well, I don't know if that really is that interesting to me. I'm not I wasn't good at science growing up. Yeah, but I mean, it- I took I took <laughs> we, we don't we're so excited. We keep talking over each other because this convention brought so much so much energy. Well, that's um, what was cool about it is that you just texted me and I just left one Zoom call and came to this yeah, one. Yeah, when we were there in person at the a couple of years ago at the big hotel in Orlando, you can do that as well, obviously. You can if a session's not interesting to you or it's not what you thought, you can get up and go to a different one, but it's a little a easier minutes. going across a hotel instead of just um, switching to a different Zoom room. Um, but yeah, the, on the but, on the science and engineering, it's something I took in high school but never followed through with. Um, but still an interest in science so there was uh, someone speaking on chemistry on the web um, but there also was a blind biologist um, studying the sea so that was a fan uh, fascinating presentation and I told you about it and you I know you love marine I life zipped and, right over um, yeah you came right over into the, into yeah. the meeting and well that goes back to this whole thing about not really I mean, we had great education, we had great upbringing, but there were still times that I wonder now, listening back to a woman like this, like, I say I wasn't good at science, but maybe if I had done differently or been, you know, obviously the thing is, like, it's harder to teach blind kids science, but that's not necessarily true. There are workarounds. And if I had a dream of becoming a marine biologist, it's just hard now to listen to knowing I'm 36. Yeah, sometimes. that's been such a long. That's been such a long time ago as well, and and so it's hard to look back. But when you do think about it, a lot of those feelings you'd have, like "oh, I wouldn't be able to do that," were from society. They weren't. It wasn't the truth. It wasn't like you couldn't have considered being a marine biologist. But it just part of that is is ingrained in in our in our culture that we can't do this or we can't do that because we're blind. And I think that creates these false limitations in your mind that really can be worked around if. Uh, if you if you work at it so yeah um, and they're big at th- big with that in the nfb you know they, they give all these scholarships out to these young people and you hear about their stories and it's so inspiring it makes you want to do more in your own life and makes you look back at your own life in a different way and can create some sadness there but some also pride in, in what other people are accomplishing yeah i mean sometimes it does it does make me sad because i think oh there's these people going to university and getting these degrees and it's so impressive and I, I can't live up to that. But at the end of the day, we do all have our own experiences. We have our own strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, it's you, you got to look at it as an inspiration. You can't expect to be like someone else and, and feel well, like... Well, the world is made up of so many different people. So you have to realize that some people do feel pressure in an organization like the NFB that is quite quite academic and it pushes people to the limits and things. And some people find that difficult and people struggle. Some people struggle in education. Some people struggle with other disabilities that cross cross over with their blindness. And it makes it harder to, to achieve all of that. Um, but it's obviously very admirable stuff. All right. Well, I think we have another testimonial ready to play here before we take a little break. Hi, my name's Elizabeth Lalonde, and I'm on the board of the Canadian Federation of the Blind. I'm also founder and director of the Pacific Training Center for the Blind, which is an empowering 
center that teaches blind people how to be independent in the world. I'm, of course, blind myself. I have attended the National Federation of the Blind Convention several times. I've actually lost count over the years, and I've always attended in person. It's held in a state. Um, an amazing experience. About 3,000 blind people attend, so being there is an incredible empowering experience. This year, of course, due to COVID-19, it was all held virtually. And I have to say, I didn't know what to expect, but I was very impressed with the work that they put into turning this event into an online platform using Zoom. It was a week full of activities and events all online or by telephone accessible to everybody. You could attend all sorts of meetings about blindness, careers, technology, fun events, socializing, networking, rehabilitation, every topic you can imagine, sports, recreation, and just be at home and enjoy the convention. Um, it was also, what I was really most surprised about was that for an online event, it actually felt very personable. I felt like I really connected with people and was able to talk to people and um, keep in touch with them during the week so I didn't feel as isolated as I thought I might feel. I feel like I really met so many people this year from all over the world. There was over 8,000 blind people who ended up attending this convention and such a diversity of perspectives. I met a lot of people who can help us in Canada move our group forward so that we can help more lives. I also collected a lot of great ideas as a center uh, director for teaching non-visual skills to our blind students, which really will help so much because Sometimes you just run out of ideas and it's so good to have a network out there where other people are doing the same thing and blind people are teaching blind people in other places just like we are. It's just really great to know there are so many other blind people out there living their lives with purpose and fortitude and knowing there's such an amazing network where you can feel rejuvenated, motivated, and it really helped us to bring new people into our organization, the Canadian Federation of the Blind, and really spurred on our excitement to continue building. So thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, Brian and Carrie for doing this wonderful program. President of the National Federation of the Blind, Mark Riccobono. Okay, quiet down. Quiet, quiet, quiet down. Yeah, quiet, quiet, quiet down. Welcome back to Outlook. Hope you've all quieted down and are ready to listen to the second half of our episode on the recent National Federation of the Blind convention, virtual convention. That was, yeah. and Neil Get Lewis there actually, um, member of the NFB, 
and he was introducing President Mark Riccobono for the banquet speech at the very end of the convention. And as it was virtual, there were a few jokes being made throughout the whole week about, oh, we don't, we can go, you can go to the the presidential suite, but we don't have M and M's and popcorn for you. And and then they're trying to tell the crowd to calm down, uh, quiet down, even though. Yeah, so every every year at the convention, they usually have, it's in a hotel, and so they have like a whole suite in the hotel that the president and his family are staying in, and it's, it's, they open it to the, to everybody to come up for certain hours every day or most days of convention to come up and meet. I mean, the president's not always there, but you can arrange a meeting. You can arrange a meeting, yeah. Or you can just go up to meet other <laughs> federationists and other members of the of the. And they have movement. a lot of s- snacks normally, which yeah. they don't have normally. Um, which leads me to think, discussing briefly how they did that virtually. I was surprised they found a way, but they did have a presidential suite virtually where you called into this Zoom, this Zoom number and there was a uh, receptionist at the suite who would, you could either book an appointment with the president, you could let her know that you were looking to talk with the president sometime and he she would make notes and schedule your appointment or or you could be separated off into smaller zoom rooms where they had other other people from the federation just just a way to meet and mingle with other people at the convention and i went in briefly to one of the rooms and i'm kind of shy so i didn't say a ton but i did introduce myself and said i was from canada and there were about six other people in the in the room from other states but kind of wish i had done that a little bit more um, but it was, it was pretty neat that they still even had that option. And I think even in the first half hour there, you heard uh, the testimonial from Blaine, who did schedule a meeting with Mark Riccobono. So, yeah. Hey. Well, you and I are always just like, what would we talk, say yeah, to him? It's... But um, I'm surprised. I'm as shy as you. And, and we were in person at the convention two years ago. I went up and, and, and checked out the presidential suite in person that time. I don't, I don't think I had an M&M's, but... But I, I did it. It was interesting. It's actually just a quiet place to go and relax from all the craziness for 3,000 blind people, actually. Yeah, so. and even, even that when, when I went to the virtual presidential suite briefly, it did feel relaxing, kind of, because there was all these sessions going on with so much information. But then when I went into this room, it was just people hanging out and talking. So it was kind of a nice little little relaxing break from, from all yeah. the... I mean, obviously, this is an American organization and it's put on in the u.s and so a lot of the things that went on don't necessarily apply to us they're set up for um the different um chapters and and things of of each in each state and different organizations that we're welcome it's not quite the same but um that's why i like the things on topics on diversity and the more broad subjects because really as john lewis points out you know we're all humans so whether there's a border in between us and we're two separate countries in the end we're humans so um but one of the sessions that i intended was um interesting too i don't were you at this one sacred spaces disability and human rights so it was this woman at that one were you there it was a woman um who spoke her name is uh i always butcher names but mary mariam cementwala and uh, she's a policy advisor in the Office of, of International Religious Freedoms, the U.S. Department of State. So, right, like, just to know that a blind person holds that position is, is just fascinating to learn where she's been and who she's talked to and work she does. So, Yeah, dealing with so many barriers in life and then still overcoming all of that to be at such a yeah. high position. I think she's a Muslim she's... woman and she's blind and uh, doesn't let that stop her, so... So, yeah, we've sort of covered a lot of the week. 
yeah, so. this and uh, leads us to what they call the general sessions the last two days and the banquet. Yeah, so the general session is always interesting. The, the first night, it's, it began on Thursday night where it was the opening ceremony where they do a roll call for all the states. And that's always crazy just because you think about here in Canada, we have 10 provinces, but there there's 50 states plus Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. So it's just they introduce everyone and each someone, a delegate from each state goes up and talks about their progress over the past year and covers a few things. So it's it's just such a... It just really gives you an idea of the scope of this organization, and it's it's fascinating how how so many people are involved in it. You know, it's the largest gathering of blind people in the world. It's just it's. Yeah. I mean, so like there's massive. the World it's, Blind Union. There's a lot of more um, international organizations and stuff, but it takes eighty years to to to, to form something like they've done there in the U.S. But um, um, one of the things that I was most inspired by, like I said before, are the young people. Uh, so. There was this whole thing going on this past year since the pandemic. Um, a, the test of strength and equality of blind students organize, organize against the college board. So college board tests in the U.S. that you have to take in high school to get to get into college and stuff. They weren't being made accessible specifically during the pandemic for blind students. So basically this one young woman became sort of the face of it. Her name is Kayli Brendel. And she's from New Jersey. And she was, you know, we talk about how we wish we could have a bit, bit of better, better public speaking skills and things. Uh, she just spoke so eloquently about the fight that they've all had to be in to get these things accessible so she can, you know, get to her goal of going to college. And Yeah, uh, it was a whole so process wonderful. to get these, these, these tests translated into Braille properly so that she could actually take them. And the fight that she went through, I mean, it's, it's too much to sum up here, but... It was very, very inspirational, and I'm sure eventually it will get posted on YouTube, and we will let you know here on the show when it does. Yeah, you can go to the, the NFB YouTube channel anytime. Yeah, definitely check out okay. the National Federation of the Blind. If you just search National Federation of the Blind on YouTube, it will show up. And there are some videos already posted from this convention. Um, the second day of the general session is posted up there, along with the, the whole banquet, which is the final night where the, the president has his, his banquet speech, which we'll get to in a few minutes. Um, so yeah, more and more will be coming, becoming available online. So check out their YouTube channel. But sure. really, their, their, their highlights sort of um, for speakers, as far as speakers, they, they managed to get uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, uh, a government official, to come and have a little chat with um, the president, uh, Mark Riccobono. And that was an interesting uh, little session. Um, Molly Burke was the other big name. Many of you may have heard of her. I mean, a lot of blind people hadn't heard of her, but I've known of her for a while because I've sort of, you know, be, you know checking out social media. She's big YouTube, YouTube um, star who's yeah, Canadian, so, so more yeah, Canadian was, re representation. Yeah, she was born here, but now lives in Los Angeles. And it it was interesting to hear someone that was a Canadian and. Uh, was speaking there. Plus, she mentioned, I thought it was interesting, she mentioned the Foundation Fighting Blindness, that when she was three years old, she was she spoke at some of their events. And that's an organization that we kind of have mixed feelings on. Um, obviously, the research they're doing is important to, to learn about blindness and, and find possible cures. But at the same time, it just, it again, brings it kind of a negative feel to me, especially especially the name. Um, it just kind of, my ears perked up when I heard her say. Yes, well, 
you know, that's part of her story. And um, they wanted to have her speak about what she's done on YouTube. But yeah, I mean, it comes down to that whole thing about, you know, the whole message of the National Federation of the Blind and the CFB here in Canada is we're trying to show, and as Mark mentions in the sort of features in his banquet speech, the whole point is to get the such a nasty negative spin off the word blindness because society hears that and it's such a negative thing and we're trying to live our lives as blind people and not feel ashamed for being that word because that's what we are and we don't want to hide that yeah and with, with someone like it. with someone like molly burke it was showing uh, someone who's blind who's in the entertainment and fashion um promoting fashion and someone might think oh you're blind you wouldn't know anything about that but well she's had lots of people tell her you can, you must not be blind if you look if you look put together and, and you look beautiful and well well dressed and makeup and all, all that stuff so those are stereotypes that we're trying to fight so good for her for that you know well what do you think is it time for another testimonial sure yeah well we're gonna play one now from roger who has actually been on our show before and uh yeah he's quite the guy full of energy and yeah. enthusiasm and this is this is a really great uh perspective on the convention so let's listen in hey there everyone this is roger Curie from london ontario and i just wanted to take a few moments to share with you some of my reflections and impressions from having attended the most recent virtual convention of the nfb I first learned of the NFB through a friend of mine in the U.S. who said that my philosophy of blindness and inclusion of the blind in society really matches up with the NFB. So she introduced me to the NFB. I read their materials and I actually listened to some of their conventions online. And this was many years ago. And then finally, I actually attended my first convention in 2015, which was the 75th anniversary of the NFB's existence. It was a powerful opportunity. It was a powerful moment for me to be among many other blind people who were in in my situation, who were in my shoes. And it was so awesome to be inspired by a lot of them. A lot of them faced the kinds of challenges that I was currently in or that I had been in. And many of them were very accomplished. They had great careers. They were very strong advocates that really helped me in my life go back to my little neck of the world and know that I can make some positive changes in my own community. I had already served on the City of London's Accessibility Committee from 2003 to 2011, but that didn't stop me from advocating for the blind or even in general for people with disabilities. But when you attend a convention of the NFB, or if you participated in the one that was just held virtually, you're basically rubbing elbows with fellow blind people. And you can stop and sit there and say to yourself, you know what? We put on a really awesome convention. Blind people are able to put on top-notch conventions that are awe-inspiring. And how is that? How is that that you as a blind person can do great things? Because you're seeing a lot of other blind people around you doing great things, and they're giving you the tools and resources on how you too can become a person that can make some positive differences and put on really professional conferences, conventions, do big projects, get great careers, 
get a wonderful education. And there, and there are people that have hit those kind of pitfalls, just like you and me. And they've, they've found workarounds and they're still advocating. And even here locally for our own communities that we belong to, that we can advocate however long it takes, however much effort it takes, it's going to yield some results. It's going to yield, it might not happen overnight and we might feel beat down, but there's other blind people who are united with us that have walked in our shoes and that are currently walking in our shoes. By going to these conventions in person or listening to the one virtually that was just held, you know and you experience it firsthand. It's not other people talking to you about blindness. It's not other organizations speaking in like as a third person saying uh, stuff to you about as a blind person. It's the blind speaking for themselves and speaking to other blind people. And I find that to be the best way to impart their wisdom, knowledge, and experience, and to see the kinds of talents that they've been able to acquire, and then try to impart some of that on each and every one of us. For this virtual convention, what stuck out, stood out in my mind was uh, a lot of the students who were engaging in c- careers of higher education, not just at the university level, but even at the postgraduate level. And a person that was a marine biologist was pursuing a career as a marine biologist. I thought that was awesome. Good for her. There's no barriers. There's no limit. Don't be stuck under the cookie cutter of what society says, what we can and can't do, or what we ought to do, or what might be the best fit for us. No, we're the ones that are going to decide what's the best fit for us. We're the ones that are going to keep on pushing it to the limit and then pushing even farther. And I was also inspired when I heard the speech that was shared to us by the late Congressman John Lewis. He just recently died on July the 17th. And his speech that he made back in 2007 to the NFB convention in Atlanta was so inspiring. He was marching throughout his entire life as a civil rights leader for equality and justice for people who are black. And he shared with us that march, that enthusiasm, that vigor to keep on marching as blind people for our freedom and for our independence. He related to us. He related to the inequality and injustice that he faced and that we face. Maybe it's similar. Maybe it's a little bit different. But at the end of the day, like he said, we are all human beings, part of one family. And I thought that was so powerful to hear from a congressman from the U.S., I was also moved by the speech given at the banquet by President Rocobono, who spoke so profoundly about the meaning of the word blind. It's nothing shameful. It's nothing that we ought to hide from. It's nothing that really should scare us or should be silent or should hold our heads low about. No, we are blind. It's nothing wrong. It's not sinful. It's not immoral. It's not undignified. That's who we are, and we shouldn't be afraid of sugarcoating it by the kinds of things that people use as words to kind of like spin it off in some other way. We're proud of it. Absolutely. And those were some of the kinds of things that stuck out in my mind. Hope to catch you all sometime soon, and all the best. Thanks again to all of our 
fellow blind Canadians who left their reflections. Rogers right there was very detailed and really demonstrates how we all have to work together as one. And um, thanks again to Roger and Elizabeth and Blaine for submitting their feedback on their convention experiences. We really appreciate it. You don't want to just hear from Carrie and myself. It's good to get other Canadians' perspectives as well. Yeah, so this convention had a lot of fun moments, um, but it also had serious business to attend to. And that's the thing. It's like it's not all fun and games and not everybody's, you know, up to that sort of a, a commitment to things. But a lot of it has to do with policy and, and things we want to affect change on. So, yeah, so they the, have these resolutions they vote on every year. Yeah, so the, the final day of the convention, the Saturday, the 18th, the general sessions that day were a lot of this... Uh, uh, more policy and official stuff that needed to get done. So they started off with the financial report, which as treasurer for the Canadian Federation of the Blind now, I paid attention a little bit too, but it's so different there because they have so much more, such a higher budget and so much more <laughs> people involved. Money so at their disposal, it's, yeah. It's crazy to see that, disposal. but it, at the same time, they are releasing this information publicly. So they're telling everyone how much, what money goes into what, so people know what everything is, is going into. It's not this secretive behind the scenes thing. So it is nice that they outline all of that. And then following the, the financial report, they, they went to these resolutions, which are official policies of the National Federation of the Blind that they establish every year with annual resolutions. That, and they adopt these every year. So this year there were 29 <laughs> resolutions, which is quite the list. So many different things that they want changed or they want people to, to begin working on. Um, one of these everything, that, everything voting by text. Yeah, they had a whole voting system, which we couldn't vote because we're not from the U.S. and we're not actual NFB members. But um, it's pretty neat how they even did voting through through texting. Um, one of the resolutions, though, just to give you a bit of an idea of what some of these are, one that stood out um, was Resolution 202005, which was regarding blind leadership at private agencies for the blind. And they state, I'll just read a little bit about this, they state in the resolution, Whereas over 200 private agencies in the U.S. have been created to serve the blind. And whereas an essential part of the governing structure of an agency for the blind is to include the processes, policies, and procedures that will ensure that the agency for the blind administration is responsive to the interests, needs, and aspirations of its constituency. So this really is just talking about these agencies that are out there that that say they're for the blind to make, to ensure that these, these agencies do have blind people on their boards and they do have blind people involved in these decisions because a big issue that we, we still face is sighted people making decisions for, for blind people. And so just reading that res that uh, resolution there, I thought it, um, it applies to us here in Canada very strongly yeah, I mean as well. So I just thought it was an, an um, important that they were discussing this. Like, they they want to have options, and there, there's like a, there's agencies in every state in the U.S. So that's a lot of you know agencies, and there's even more of them. But it just becomes too much at a certain point, and then nobody knows where to go. And we have to have accountability for these organizations, is all. Like Brian just said, sort of, yeah. Yeah, and I mean it's so different in Canada because you think here we do we do have the the the, the CNIB and we have the 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 CCB Canadian Council for the Blind, and we have the. <laughs> Alliance for the Equality of Blind Canadians, but we definitely don't have 200 agencies. Um, no. Which seems really overwhelming, but... But, um, but for people to understand the difference between some of these, it's, it's basically just that, that 
we want to be um, at the table. Well, that's always a weird metaphor to use, you know. But it's like we want to be speaking for ourselves and not have sighted people speaking for us. So, you know, they have to make this an official policy and really drive the point home to some people. But So that was a big part of the last few days was on, uh, voting on all of those. Yeah, that takes and a while were, for 29 resolutions. There was one, there was one uh, that related to, like I said, this student and her fight with the college board. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. That was the um, actually resolution 2020-17 regarding college board advanced placement exams. So that mm -hmm. applies exactly to what Kaylee was talking about the night before. Um, when dealing with getting her, her exams accessible in Braille. So just yeah. so many resolutions that they, that they then form committees and they carry these out. And it's just, it's something we really want to get going here in Canada. But the only way it's going to happen is if we all do start working together and organizing as one. So, But then there were interesting speakers too, um, that just sort of related to my interest in art, um, and uh, yeah, there was I guess his name was sculptor. Yeah, he was a sculptor yeah. named Michael Naran Naranjo. It's I, I always bolt your names, but it's a, you know it's a it's a Latino name. I or is it no? It's Native American. Native I American, I believe. Yeah, yeah na Naran Naranjo. Um, but anyway, he's he's in his seventies now, but he's an interesting man, and he's gone to Italy to the Sistine Chapel, and he's got to touch the the. Michelangelo's David and a whole bunch of you know he worked he did some art for the Pope I guess I don't know a bunch of stuff crazy stuff these lives that these people have led is, is amazing to learn so diverse so many people over years and decades yeah so then the general session pretty much finished on the Saturday with voting for the actual the organization itself so reelecting they reelected Mark Riccobono as president and just going through mm -hmm. the president and secretary and treasurer and all of the all of the board elections as yeah. well and then that all wrapped up, and then they had the virtual banquet, which is the final celebration of the night. And normally that's a beautiful dinner that everybody sits down to, and uh, it's great food. Yeah, and it's, it's usually a nice, really great grand <laughs> finale for the, for the whole we week. We tried to get our Canadian group together on the phone to listen to it together, but I think we had some hiccups with that. So. Yeah, it was a little too... But we're we're always learning for how we can do better here in Canada and just have more success with these things. So the big part of the banquet is President Mark Riccobono and his speech at the at the end of the convention. So I've compiled a few excerpts from that speech. So let's take a listen to that. Mahatma Gandhi is credited with observing that your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. In the National Federation of the Blind, we have developed a distinct pattern of belief about blindness based upon our authentic lived experience being blind. We refer to this pattern of belief as Federation philosophy. The philosophy of the National Federation of the Blind has been shaped over 80 years 
by the lived experience of hundreds of thousands of diverse blind individuals. In 80 years, we have come further than our founding members could have imagined, and we are not yet done. At the beginning, all we had were the words to express our hopes and dreams. Today, we have the beliefs, the words, and the actions required to go all the way to our destiny. While we may temporarily be distanced from each other, we will never be divided. Let us believe as one movement. Let us speak with one voice. Let us act with one heart. Let us go build the National Federation of the Blind. So as you can hear, such a powerful speaker. And he really focused on, you touched on it earlier pretty much, but his, the big focus of his speech was words and how much power a word can have and focusing on the word blind itself and really trying to make that a word of pride and empowerment. something. Yeah, empowerment and to be feel prideful and not, not look at that as the word blind is a negative word that's been so long or people are trying to be so, so proper, politically correct and saying vision teachers when really that's, that's looking at the vision part of it and not focusing on the, <laughs> on the blind part of it. There were so many points brought up in the speech that... Um, teacher for the blind, not vision teacher. Yeah. <laughs> They're not teaching us how to see. We can't see and we're fine with that. You know, we're, we're learning how to, how to... We're living our lives the way we want, so... And that's why we're doing this show. It's a big reason why. It's, we're just trying to live our lives. Yeah, so... Maybe, maybe make an impact. They also gave away... They have two awards every year that they give away at the end. Um, two $25,000 awards, and this is referred to as the Dr. Jacob Belotten Awards. Um, this, they honor individuals and organizations that are a positive force in the lives of blind people. And mention this because next week's guest, looking ahead here, actually is a recipient of this award back in 2018. Um, so that's very exciting. You will want to stay tuned next week to hear from... Peggy Chong, 2018 Dr. Jacob Balotin Award recipient. So, yeah, what a, what a convention. Um, it's so much to sum up in one episode. We're going to leave you with a couple more things, a few more words from Mark. Or, oh, I'm getting names mixed up. So many names. John Lewis, um, who, who had passed away. We're going to hear a bit more from his powerful speech to finish things off. And I don't know much more to say. I, it all just makes choke. I get choked up and it makes me teary-eyed. Yeah, it's a very emotional speech and we figured it would be a great way to finish things off. So, yeah, such an incredible experience. I hope anyone listening who hasn't been gets to go in the future. This will be in New Orleans next year in 2021. But we also are in the process of booking the next Canadian Federation of the Blind Convention for the end of next April. So. Will it be virtual? Will it be in person? Only we'll time will tell. Out. All right. Thanks for listening. We're going to leave you with the words of John Lewis. R.I.P. Uh, Mr. Lewis, uh, Congressman. Rest in power. Lewis.
You ain't never seen a shotgun house, you don't even know what I'm talking about. But in a non-violent sense, a shotgun house, old house, one way in, one way out. Well, you can bounce a basketball through the front door and it goes straight out the back door. But one Saturday afternoon, a group of my brothers and sisters and a few of my first cousins we were all playing in my unseneva dead yard. An unbelievable storm came up. The wind started blowing, the thunder started rolling, and the lightning started flashing, and the rain started beating on the timber for this old shotgun house. Mont became terrified, started crying. She thought this old house was going to blow away. So she got all of us little children together and told us to hold hands. And we cried and we cried. And when one corner of this little house appeared to be lifting from its foundation, one had us to walk to that corner to try to hold the house down with our little bodies. When other corner appeared to be lifting, one had us to walk to that corner to try to hold the house down with our little bodies. We were little children walking with the wind, but we never ever left the house. Call it the house of the National Federation of the Blind. The rain may beat on our house. The lightning may flash, the thunder may roll. But you must never ever leave the house. We must hold the house of the National Federation of the Blind together and hold it down. Stay with the house. We are one house. We are one people. We are one family. We all live in the same house. It doesn't matter whether we are black or white or Hispanic or Asian American or Native American. It doesn't matter whether we can see or whether we are blind. So hang in there. Don't give up. Stay with the house. Keep your faith and keep your eyes on the prize. The 2020 Convention of the National Federation of the Blind is adjourned. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.